Off Me Block, Book 2, Boned and Rolled. Chapter 10, Nicosia Nights. Well, loving Jesus, man. Off the bloody plane I thought I'd never get. We landed at about three in the morning in the middle of a poxy thunderstorm that was blowing a forced nine gale. How the crazy bastard of a pilot got us down, I'll never know. Jesus that he even considered that he might get us down is testament to the size of his clackers. Because I'm telling you now, in that wind, if Dorothy's house had gone tumbling by, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. From start to finish, that poxy trip was a disaster, so it was. Never in my life did I think that it would take so much time, money and effort to get to Cyprus. Jesus wept, a trip to Antarctica would have been plain or sailing. First of all, when I was in a taxi and only on my way to the airport, a 40-foot lorry overturned in the port tunnel and we were stuck behind it for over two hours and the scabby pox bottle of a driver wouldn't turn off the meter for love nor money, the fucking scabby bastard. Then there was the price of a seat on a flight to Nicosia at such short notice. Loving Jesus, the robbing bastards. Says I to your one on the desk, I only want to buy a seat, love, not the whole fucking plane. She was having none of it and made me pay the full fare, which with taxes and all the rest came in at over 1,500 quid. Then the pig made me pay an extra 80 euro because me case was too heavy by two kilos, the fucking dog. I was sat between two cork fellas on their way to a stag, and Jesus, I couldn't make head nor tail of what they were saying to me. It just sounded like they were crying, but in Irish like. Anyways, after circling the airport for about an hour, old Captain Big Balls must have said to himself, fuck this, and put us into a bank and turn towards the airport. Now Jesus, wait till I tell you, he turned so much so fast that the plane was almost on its side and I was sure as shite that we were going to drop out of the sky like a stone into the med. And the two cork langers screaming their heads off with the panic, it sounded like a pack of rabbit hyenas, so it did, the fucking wails of them. Having gone through all of that, I think I can be forgiven for dropping to me knees on the runway and kissing the tarmac like poor old Pope John Paul used to do. I was out of the airport and into a taxi as quick as I could. I gave the driver Costas' address and told him to put the foot down. It was time to get down to brass tacks with the other lad, the fucking conniving greaseball bollocks. To begin with, for just a few minutes, I thought the Janine one had screwed me over, till I had a misty recollection of having cancelled our cards and what have you in a drunken rage a day or two after she tried to turn me face into a disco ball. You see... Like I already told you, the arrangement I had with Costas was that everything went into his name till all dealings and what have you were done and dusted in Cyprus. When we were ready to drop stakes in Portugal, he'd transfer it all back into my name and all me moolah would be safe from Nico Sanazilk. In the meantime, he'd shovel 10 or 20 grand into me Irish account every few weeks to keep us topped up like. That was to be the story until I told him otherwise. Now, I'd never once doubted the man, as much as the Janine one had tried to make me wary of him. I never was, sure he was the salt of the earth. But still, when I checked with the bank that day, and they told me that my account was emptier than a brothel in a leper colony, well, to be honest, pal, I panicked, and I cursed him from a fucking height, so I did. I gave him a buzz that morning, nothing, straight to his voicemail. Sure, there was nothing unusual in that, it happened all the time. So I left him a message. Says I, 
How are you, Costas, buddy? Just checking in. Listen, I'm more than a bit shy on the old shekels, so will you do me a favour and throw a few bob me way as soon as you can? Cheers, pal. And I left it at that. Now, Costas is a very busy man, as I'm sure you might have guessed, so it's hard to get a hold of him right away. But usually when I'd leave him a message, he'd be back on to me within the hour, so I wasn't really bothered about anything at that stage. Well, come the following day and I still hadn't heard anything from him, I was cursing all kinds of shite on him and his missus. I rang and rang and rang. Hours on end this went on for. I rang his gaff, no answer. I rang the office, same thing. His mobile, straight to fucking voicemail again and again and again. By the second day I was up the walls. Getting a phone call from me landlord saying I was two months in arrears on me rent didn't fucking help matters much either. Thanks be to God, and in fairness to the Janine one, whose idea had been in the first fucking place, there was three and a half grand in emergency cash in a packet of fish fingers in the freezer. That was enough to get me out to Cyprus and find out what the fuck was going on at all. I was on a number 59 bus down to Dunleary in a flash. I pegged it into pennies to get some clobber, and then I hopped into a Joe Maxi and headed for the airport. All was going grand till that poxy arctic lorry flipped over and held everything up. Anyways, there I was, hooring through the streets of Nicosia in the dark and the pissings of rain, heading towards his gaff, with a driver who was more interested in turning around and talking to me than he was on watching the road and not killing us in a fucking fireball collision. As we pulled up outside Costas's gaff, I threw your man a 50 and told him to wait for me. There was no sign of the other lad's motor in the drive, so I'd need a lift back into town if he wasn't there. I tossed me wallet into me bag and flung it onto the back seat and hopped out. Before the car had even stopped, I was running. No sooner had the door slammed behind me when the sneaky little bollocks gunned it and fucked off into the night, taking me clothes, me cash and me passport with them, the dirty Cypriot bastard. A pox on your ball bag, I roared after him as I ran, but the fucker was gone before I went ten steps, the hun. I must have hammered on Costas' front door for more than an hour, but there was neither sight nor sound of anyone being inside. That's when I really started to panic. I was now full certain that he'd only gone and done it. He'd stiffed me good and proper. Jesus wept I was sick to me stomach. There I was, in the middle of the night in Nicosia, in the pissing rain, not a fucking penny to me name, and nowhere to get some shelter from the storm. I checked all of the windows front and back, but they were all shut tighter than a nun's knickers. Well, fuck it in anyways. After a walk of over 40 minutes in the lashings of rain, I scaled the wall, all legs and arms, scrambling over it like a fat kid bunking into a chocolate factory. I checked every window and door, but there was no joy. Just like Costas's gaff, me old villa was locked down tight. I was soaked to me skin, standing there sobbing to myself in what used to be me front garden. It was the lowest I have ever been, without doubt or comparison, pal. The for sale sign, a big soul sticker plastered across it, rattled and flapped in the wind, and as I stood there looking at it, I wondered where in the name of Jesus it had all gone wrong. Talk about fate taking a shite on you. I was up the creek and I knew it. I'd no cash, no passport, nowhere to go, and that grease bag of a wanker of a solicitor of mine had gone and done a bunk on me, taking all of me shekels with them. All ten million of them, the poxy bastard. Sick as a dog, so I was. It was well past three in the morning when, after managing to jimmy the luck, I crawled into the Taj. The pigeon loft that in better times I'd spent ten grand on was now me only refuge. 
I curled up in a ball, and despite everything that was happening to me, Jesus, I only well flaked out. Never in me wildest dreams did I ever imagine back when it was being built that one rainy night just over a year later, I'd end up kipping in it, penniless, homeless, and stranded with no hope of getting home. I woke up to a clatter, me chops stinging like I don't know what. I hadn't a clue where I was. I turned and reached out to turn off me alarm clock, me hand hitting a wall that shouldn't have been there. Another clatter on the chops. I was awake then, I tell you. I still hadn't a clue where I was or who your man was who was standing over me and screaming down at me in Greek. He went to hit me again, but I caught his arm in time and socked him with an uppercut. That's when I heard the dog. Loving lantern and Jesus, I'd never seen a dog as big as it in all my life. All I could see was the row of choppers on him glistening with slobber in the half-darkness as the bastard sunk his delf into me forearm as if it was a chicken drumstick. I got onto me pegs as quick as I could. Your man was trying to break me grip on his arm and the dog was trying to tear me right arm off at the elbow. How I managed it, I don't know, but somehow I was able to shake both of them off and I was out of the door like a whippet out of his trap down in Shelbourne. I was over the wall and hooring down the road at a speed that would have left Usain Bolt eating me dust. It was only when the old ticker served strike notice on me that I stopped, collapsing on some stacked up furniture outside a small coffee shop. It was six o'clock in the morning on the 1st of September. I walked past it a couple of times, skying a few quick squizzes inside to make sure the Nico's prick wasn't in there. Happy enough that the coast was clear, I strolled in, hoping against hope that Denny was there and not in his new place up in Alsenkak. Thanks be to Jesus he was there, and more than happy to see me. I can't tell you how happy I was to see a smiling, friendly face, and in fairness to him, he seemed equally delighted to see myself. My God, says he, Tommy, 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 you whack. It's good to see you, oh Philly Moo. Welcome, welcome. He came from behind the bar and hugged me. How are you, pal, says I. It's good to see you, me old flower. It's good you come back, says he. And where is the lovely lady? He says, looking over me shoulder for Janine. That's over, man, says I. Done and dusted. What goes wrong, says he. Jesus, Denny, it's a long story. You tell me, says he. Sit, I get some coffee. Thanks, Denny. You're a pal and a half. We sat and talked for hours. As people came and went around us, he never left me. Even when the place got busy, he stayed sitting with me in fairness to him. I told him me lot. Everything from the day we hightailed it out of there after Nikos had twigged that his young lad was actually Noel's, to copping on that the Costas prick had fucked off with all me money. And that's more or less it, says I. He stared at me for about a minute or so, and something in his eyes told me that he was putting some other two and two together, something I knew nothing about. What is it, says I. I never knew, Tommy, he said. If I'd have known you'd put it in his name, I would have. I thought you knew. Known what? You would have what? What don't I know? Costas. What about him, the prick? Costas didn't screw you, Tommy. He's, he's what? Tommy, Costas is dead. Sorry, I, I thought you knew. Knocked sideways, so I was. He was dead? When, says I, uh, how? About six weeks ago, says he, a car crash. Very bad, very bad. Jesus, that's terrible, huh? I was both relieved and gutted. Relieved that Costas hadn't stabbed me in the back. Gutted that he was dead. Well, who took me? Think, Tommy, think. It hit me like a number seven bus, so it did. And I was sick, literally. Ruined me fucking loafer, so I did. The dirty scheming whore of a Brazilian gay bag. Uh, where is she now? She's gone, Tommy, back home to Brazil. 
about three weeks ago. She had a big party here, free bar for everyone. We all thought it was a bit too soon, you know, to party like that and throwing, how do you say, his insurance cash around and all. If I'd have known it was your money, Tommy, uh, but how was I supposed to know? Nobody knew. Costas was a good man. He kept good secrets. Nobody knew, Tommy. I'm sorry. It's not your fault, pal. It's not your fault at all. How were you supposed to know? We took off in the middle of the night. Only Costas and that bitch of a wife of his knew what was going on. I couldn't say another word. I must have sat there for another three or four hours just staring at the floor. There were happy tourists coming and going around me, oblivious to me predicament. Then he left me be, putting a fresh coffee in front of me every now and again. I smoked fag after fag, never once raising my eyes from the floor. That Brazilian cow's face filling me mind's eye, bouncing around in me brain like a ricocheting bullet. It was over. I was ruined. To try and go after her would be pointless. She'd have disappeared somewhere up the arsehole of the Amazon by that stage. I couldn't even go to the cops, because what myself and Costas had done was tantamount to money laundering, which is going to land you inside for a good ten years or more, no matter what country you might be in. And besides, money laundering aside, even if I did go after her and actually find her, sure every fucking cent of that money had been made to look like it was Costas's and not linked to me in any way, shape or form. He'd done such a good job of hiding it for me in the eyes of the law, it would look like it had always been his. And now that his clogs had been popped, it was legally hers. Every last cent of it, the poxy fucking dog. I sobbed like a babby, so I did, when that thought finally sunk in. I was over a barrel. There was no way I could go after her. No way at all. And she knew that. That's why she'd gone and done it, the fucking cow. Then he brought me up to the flat over the pub and told me to get some rest fair play to him. Mind you, he might have had his own interests at heart. The last thing he needed was a teary-eyed Irishman wailing and bawling in his bar and putting off his punters. Jesus, I spent countless days in that little flat. I didn't drink, didn't sleep, didn't eat. I just paced the floor backwards and forwards over and over again, just like that mental polar bear that they used to have in Dublin Zoo. Me brain was melted, completely and totally melted. How in the name of Jesus had it come to this? Just a year beforehand, I'd been on top of the world. Me divorce had been finalised. I got me redundancy. And then almost at the same time, I came into Noel's view, Bob. I was mad about Janine and she about me. I had more property than a Monopoly board and life couldn't have gotten any better. And where was I now? Penniless, homeless, alone and at odds with almost everyone I've ever loved. It had all gone sour in less than a year and I was fucking heartbroken about all of it, so I was. There were some dark days up in that flat, I can tell you. I've no shame in admitting that I thought of pulling the plug more than once. Sure, what had I to lose? Sweet Fanny Adams is all. I'd probably have been doing myself a favour because no amount of luck was going to dig me out of that hole, that was for sure. Whether it was the old Catholic guilt or just that I was a coward, I don't know. But as you can probably guess, I didn't go through with it. After days on end of pacing and smoking, I finally went downstairs to the bar. In fairness to Denny, he did his level best to get me to snap out of it. He filled me to the gills with a plate of scran and then he brought me back upstairs to shave and shower. I was no more in the mood, but I did it in any ways just to get him to leave me be. When I came out after me shower, there was a brand new set of clothes laid out on the bed for me and a brown envelope stuffed with cash in the trouser pocket. I went straight downstairs to him. Then he says, I, holding the envelope, I can't take this man, thanks and all, but I can't take it. 
Of course you can, Tommy. You need it. But listen to me, man, will you? I can't even afford to pay you back. Like, I haven't a pot to piss in, for Jesus' sake. You don't need to pay me back, says he. Listen, man, says I. It's a lovely gesture and all, but Tommy, he says, interrupting me and shoving the cash back at me. It's not a loan. It's an advance on your wages. Me wages? Yes, says he, grinning as if it were a matter of course. Your wages. You come and work for me to sing like before. Well, wait till I tell you. I only went and broke me bollocks laughing when I heard that. You want me to sing? Denny, pal, listen to me. I've just lost me kids, me ma and me millions. I'm homeless. Me young fella's getting hitched soon and I won't be at the wedding. I've two grandkids that I'm never going to see again. And to top it all off, I think I've got piles. And you want me to sing? Are you fucking mad or what? Well, says himself, it's that or washing dishes in the kitchen. No poxy Joe Dolan songs, says I. The following Friday night, I was up on stage again in the double inn up in Alson Cack. Me meat and two veg only bleeding well stuffed into the poxy white suit. And I'm belting out one Joe Dolan song after another. Sure, what else could I have done? Was I happy about it? About as happy as I'd be to run me bollocks through a mincer. Uh, but there you go. Beggars can't be choosers, can they? After a few weeks of doing the gigs, I was kind of getting into it, if you know what I mean. I guess it never really leaves you, the itch to perform like, to tell you the truth, being on stage again, even if it was as a Joe Dolan tribute act, well, it helped me. When I was up there just doing me thing, I'd forget about everyone and everything else. Even if it was only for an hour or two, all the crap that had gone on just disappeared for a while. If it hadn't been for Denny and those gigs, well, I reckon some poor farmer would have found me dangling from an olive tree. As the season wore on and September turned to October, there were less and less punters coming in each week and by Halloween sure I was just singing to the bar staff. On the first Friday of November, the doddery fucks in the embassy finally got all me paperwork sorted and sent me out a new passport. As the holiday season was dead and buried by that stage, sure, it was time to come home. What was I going to do when I got back here? I didn't know. But I was sure as shite not going to spend a winter in Cyprus with nothing to do and no money to do it with. I got myself booked onto a flight home for the following Monday morning and I couldn't wait to be on it. To thank Denny for helping me out, I brought him out for a few scoops on the Saturday night. It started out civil enough, but when we hooked up with a load of English holiday reps out on their last hurrah of the season, Jesus, it didn't half get sloppy after that. I hooked up with this dark-haired queer one, a cracker so she was, and she was more than game on for coming back to me little apartment above the double inn. It's amazing what an old roll around can do for your spirits. Jesus, I felt like Superman. Well, she only fucking trun me around that room so she did, the fucking bizzle so it was. Everything was going knackers for crackers until she dropped our dainties. Even in the dark I could see it, and no, before you say it wasn't a flute that she had down there. Suffice it to say that I don't think this queer one had ever heard of waxing, cause she'd a patch on her the size and shape of a fucking concord wing for Jesus' sake. It, it was like shacking up with a 70s porno star for the love of God. Still, I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth, even if it's hairier than ZZ Top. In the dark, she seemed a lot bigger than she'd seemed when I first laid eyes on her. Like, I didn't get so much as me hole as I did me trench, if you know what I mean. Loving the vine when I woke up the next morning, I was in tatters. And not from the drink, mind you. I was only covered in bruises and teeth marks, so I was. She fucking well ruined me, so she did. 
well, come here till I tell you. When I went into the bathroom, I nearly pissed myself with the laughing. There was a black wig in the hand basin. There were fake eyelashes and fake fingernails everywhere. And me towels were destroyed with the fake tan shite that they spray on themselves. And there was a chicken fillet bra hanging from the curtain rail. Jesus, was there anything of her that was real, I wondered. I went back into the bedroom as quiet as I could and slowly pulled down the sheet so that I could have a goo. Loving Jesus, I near shit myself with the laughing. I'd come home with Katy Perry and woke up with Pat Butcher. Now, I'm not one for looks. Uh, no, that's a lie. I am. And I tell you now, what was lying in me bed was nothing short of a skack. There was none of her real. That's fucking cheating, so it is. I tell you, if she'd have been a brasser, I'd have been on to trading standards to report her for false advertising. I no more wanted to talk to her if she woke up, so as quiet as I could, I sneaked downstairs and hid in the kitchen till Denny came in and told me that she was gone. That was Cyprus's parting gift to me, and I was more than happy to leave it behind, thanks all the same. With a promise to return next summer to do some more gigs for him, I said goodbye to Denny in the airport car park. I'm looking forward to it. You'll never know just how much. I kept in Domo's gaff for a week until I was able to find a place of my own. After searching high and low and not being able to afford one extortionate rent after another, I eventually found a place that I could easily afford. Would you believe me if I told you I only ended up back in that poxy kip of a bedsit that I'd walked out of on Stephen's Day in 1995? Huh? Talk about coming full circle. Domo didn't want me to take it when he seen how much of a dump it was, but I'd no other choice. Sound travels easily in the quiet of night and more than once I had heard his missus on at him to move me on. The last thing I wanted was to be causing him hassle so I thought it best that I should go as soon as I could. I'll give you another laugh. As if things hadn't already come back around full circle enough as it is, I'm only back on a poxy butcher's block, am I? It's only a little place. Dickie Mahoney's down the road there in Glassdale. He's a bollocks to work for though let me tell you and he's a scabby bastard that had bagged the steam of his piss if he thought he could make money on it minimum wage the prick has me on minimum fucking wage sure i'd make more hooring myself up to 40 glen of a weekend for jesus sake and i thought i had a bad and penny save that place was like butlins compared to where i am now 37 hams and 14 turkeys i boned and rolled today i was at it since five this morning and the wanker's not even paying me double for the overtime and the customers, sweet divine mother of fuck, don't get me started on them. You'd think I was serving royalty, the carrying on of them. I had a queer one in this morning, all nose and teeth, so she was, and a rug on her like a wiry dog's hole. Says she, do you have any coat to buff? Excuse me, says I, e what's that? Coat to buff, says herself, raising her eyes to heaven. Have you got a headache, missus, says I. No, says she, do you want one? I beg your pardon? I'm telling you now, Pe, I'll not be shy and clattering you in the chops with a leg of lamb if you're bleeding well roll your eyes at me again. Uh, now what can I get for you? Count the buff, says herself through gritted teeth. Listen, Petal, says I, I'm 30 years of butchering and I never even fucking heard of that. Now what is it? It's French, says whore losing the rag. Do I bleeding well look French, says I, ready to smack her. Well, I never, says she, as though I just pistol whipped her with me Mickey. You never what, love? She didn't say another word. She just turned and walked out. Needless to say, the old gee bag went home and got straight on the blower to the bus and I was dragged into the office and given what for? Coat the buff? I had to look it up on the internet for Jesus' sake. Ribeye steak. Now, why couldn't she just say that, that fucking now stuck-up fanny face? 
Ah, uh, they don't belong getting to you. I can tell you that. I'm only back in the game a few weeks and already I'm sick of the fuckers. I can't wait to get back out to Cyprus in the summer. The fuckers are just so rude. And if there's one thing I can't stand more than meanness, it's rudeness. And those fuckers that come into that shop have it in spades. No please, no thank you, no nothing. I feel like I'm working in Downton Abbey, for Jesus' sake. I'm sick of it, you know that. I just can't believe that all this poxy shite is a part of me life again. There's some mornings I get up and check the shower, hoping against fuck that your man Bobby Ewan's in it, and this is all just a poxy nightmare. I had it all. The works. And now I'm back on a poxy counter, putting up with shite from wankers I wouldn't piss on if they were on fire. It's just not fair. A kick in the bollocks, so it is. Jesus, man, if I stopped to think about it, I'd be liable to fuck myself off the top of Darky Quarry. Jesus, man, I've had it all. Twice, only to have it ripped away from me. Fucking twice. I mean, there was the singing, the world was at me feet, mine for the taking. It was going to happen, and then it just fell dead in the water when the other one got preggers. That was me one and only chance, and it was yanked away from me by that shotgun-wielding prick of an owl at a horse. Then... After years and years of heartache and hell, out of nowhere, just like that, in the blink of an eye, I'm a millionaire. I was set up for life, only for it to go belly up in less than a year. A fucking year! And now I'm back where I bloody well started 30 fucking years ago. And all I keep asking myself is, why? Why does this always go tits up for Tommy Costello? This time last year, the kids were out there with me. We sat down for a big family dinner on Christmas Day. All of us in our Christmas jumpers. It was magic, so it was. With the love of a good woman and a healthy bank balance. The future was as rosy as coals. And look at me now. Look at me now. Listen, I'll have to make tracks in a few minutes. I've to be up at four to be in that kip for five to bone and roll. God knows how many turkeys and hams. I've a pain in me bollocks with the place and the bastards that shop in it. Wait till I tell you. I had an owl lad in with me the other day. He comes in the door, his brolly inside out. My God, says he, it's very windy out there. I just looked at him. Says he again, really, really windy. I bleeding well know it's windy out. Do you think I slept here last night or something? I walked to work in that poxy wind this morning. There's no need for the weather report. Or another one comes in yesterday morning in an absolute pissings of rain. Drenched so she is. Says she, I tell you, it's a good day to be in here. Come here, sugar lips, says I. Let me tell you something. I'd rather be out there, bollock naked and strapped to a post at the end of the East Pier in Dunleary with a skewer through me flu than to be in here talking to you today. Now, would you ever fuck off and leave me alone? Out she walked. Thanks be to Jesus she didn't ring the boss or I'd have been out on my ear. I just can't help it, you know. It's like they do and say these things on purpose just to get at me. So there you are, me friend. That's the crack. Back to the block for me sins. Mind you, it could be worse. That queer one in Cyprus could have had a flute down there instead of a brush box of Brillo pads, huh? I tell you what, though. I don't half miss me shekels. Having to count every single cent, and there's not many of them these days. Well, it's killing me, so it is. Here, speaking of a few, Bob, uh, there isn't a chance of a loan of a score till Friday, is there? I, I hate to ask, but the bollocks hadn't paid me yet, and knowing him, the scabby bastard will leave it till after the crimbo. It's just to get a few messages and an old bottle of wine to bring out to Dommels for the dinner on Christmas Day. We stood in the small porch at the front entrance of Dunphy's pub, smoking in silence and watching the rain as it hammered down on the deserted streets. Thanks again, pal, Tommy said to me. You're grand, I replied. It's only a few, Bob. I know you're good for it. It's no problem. No, not just that. I mean, thanks for your time, you know. 
listening to me nattering on about my problems like it's no bother tommy honestly to tell you the truth your present situation aside i've really enjoyed your stories you have a great turn of phrase i feel like i've lived those stories with you jesus he says maybe i should write a book can you bleed and well imagine that we laughed and then returned to smoking in silence once more tommy flicked his cigarette butt out into the gutter and it floated away down the street carried along on the tides of time he muttered as he pulled his coat collar up to his ears what did you say i asked him ah it's just something ronnie used to say when he'd have a few jars taken he always thought that no matter what you did in this life no matter what came your way it was all just part of a plan something bigger you know we're just leaves you know floating along in a stream and there's nothing we can do about it we're just carried along to whatever wherever well that's what he used to say in anyways listen pal i better be going or i'll never get up in the morning i better be going myself i said listen i'll get that few bob back to you as soon as i can i swear to you i know you will we shook hands as he stepped out into the rain and we wished each other the best for christmas just as he was about to turn and leave he stopped took my right hand in both of his and looked right at me his eyes were glazed but piercing are you all right i asked him listen he said go out and enjoy your life don't think too much about things enjoy the good times while they're there just get on with it and have the crack when you can enjoy it because i tell you now compared to eternity sure aren't we already dead i'll see you soon pal he patted my arm and was gone walking up the road before i could respond i watched them as he walked up georgia street in the teeming rain as he passed the miami cafe two women were leaving each with a bag of chips he says something to them but i couldn't hear what it was the women tell him where to go and tommy bursts into that guffaw of infectious laughter that despite all that has happened to him is still genuine his hands thrust deep into his pockets his head bowed against the rain i watched him as he walked away slowly fading into the night and back into the obscurity from where he came i wondered if i'd ever hear from tommy costello again